Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Hey, let's move on. Our next topic is a really interesting one. You know, we all, whether we know it or not, are are beneficiaries of data centers, right? Every time we pick up our phone and do anything uh, online, streaming videos, uh, doing anything on the internet, we, our information is going through some data center somewhere. But there is a price to pay because they have carbon footprints. Yep. Many of them have huge carbon footprints because not only is the the electricity to run the servers, but they have electricity to run the cooling systems that keep these servers from melting down. Uh, I met I met a guy uh, in Vietnam at the uh, at the Asian AmCham's conference last night last month when I was in Hanoi. Uh, Ken Haig, who is the head of energy and environment policy for Asia Pacific and Japan at Amazon Web Services, uh, Ken is joining us now. He has some amazing and very, very forward-thinking ideas on sustainability, especially when it comes to all the electricity we all need to use every day. Ken, welcome to Money FM Saturday mornings. Great to have you with us. Well, great. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Ken, uh, let's, let's dive right in because the rap that a lot of people give to data centers is they use too much energy, their carbon footprint is huge. Tell us, tell us about the state of data centers now and, and, and what that looks like uh, in terms of energy consumption. Yeah, thanks, Glenn. Uh, I think, you know, the perception certainly is that the amount of energy being consumed by data centers is on the rise. Uh, that may be true locally, I think, in different geographies. I think if you look across uh, globally where the industry trends are, there's a really interesting study out from the International Energy Agency, IEA, in November last year, I basically found since 2010, if you look at globally energy use by data centers, it stayed remarkably flat. And I think that's actually an incredible uh, find when you think about the exponential growth that we've seen in internet use in cloud-related business. It's, it's incredibly flat by comparison to the rise in all of that demand. How, how can, that, how can that, that be since yeah. we have so, much, so, so many more people using so much more data? Yeah, I think a lot of that actually is coming from the energy efficiency investments in cloud service providers like Amazon Web Services. And there was a good example of this uh, from a study that was done by 451 Research, who are part of S&P Global Market Intelligence. So last year, they surveyed over 500 enterprises and public sector organizations from across the Asia-Pacific region. Mm. And what they found was that for the average enterprise or public sector organization, if they moved all of their IT workloads from on-premises data centers into the cloud today, they would achieve an average 80% reduction mm. in the energy use and associated emissions with running those workloads. And that's primarily because there's a five times increase in energy efficiency in cloud data centers. You've got economies of scale. There's all sorts of uh, technology investments that have been made. And it's just the energy efficiency investments that we've made are starting to pay off. I mean, for the benefit of, well, me, really, and our, <laughs> and our listeners who are not so IT savvy, perhaps, maybe just explain... Yes, in layman's terms, I get it. The, the data centers, they're big, they're consuming, they consume a lot of energy, a lot of water, a lot of power. We know that. What are some of the key differences between on-site data centers and cloud services? Where are you making those savings? 
Yeah, well, one of the things that the report found that I thought was really interesting was, you know, as Glenn mentioned at the outset, there's the assumption that, you know, cooling for data centers is what's mm. causing a lot of the energy consumption. And it's true that there's a certain amount of uh, energy requirement for keeping data centers cool, particularly in climates like Singapore's, right, where you can't use outside uh, air temperature differentials to, to cool things naturally. So uh, that's part of it. But what the 451 research report found that I thought was really interesting is that two-thirds of that five times increase in energy efficiency that you're getting in moving workloads from on-premises into the cloud is really from server-level efficiencies. And mm. what does that mean? Well, at AWS, for example, what we've done is we've started to innovate at the chip levels. We have a chip-to-grid approach to our energy efficiency investments. And it starts with literally using the most efficient processors available on the market today. So, for example, at last year's reInvent, uh, we announced that we just launched the uh, Graviton 3 processor. It's the most efficient uh, proce processor on the market today, 60% more efficient than any other comparable instance. Uh, and, you know, we're building that into all of our uh, racks and servers, and then things scale up from there. So... Another example that we looked at uh, in the report was how, uh, you know, just even the rack and server uh, design, how, how you stack things up in the data center can make a difference. Wow. And so one thing we've done at AWS, for example, is take out the uh, centralized, uninterruptible power supply, and we've replaced that with uh, rack-level battery packs and sensors that do a lot to cut out the uh, energy loss that you are getting in that, you know, centralized power conversion from AC, DC, and back and forth. It's a 20% it's a increase just in terms of how you're uh, arranging the, the racks and uh, servers themselves. So from hardware to rack design, all the way up to how we're managing our server levels as well. Um, one other thing that came out of the report was if you look at on-premises data centers, you know, when you have to provision for peak uh, capacity, it means that you over-provision in many cases, right? So you'll have lots of servers that for the average enterprise or public sector organization are running at about 15% utilization rate. Because you're, most ex you're expecting year. a spike at some point, you want to be ready for it. Is that the idea? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas we're for cloud data centers, what we can do is we can dynamically allocate uh, resources across customers' workloads as needed. And so what we see in cloud data centers is that utilization rate begins at, you know, 50% and it goes well high up there in markets like Singapore where there's a lot of constant demand. And I've also noticed looking at the info here that, you know, AWS constantly trying to innovate, find new ways of saving, uh, reducing energy. And you're expanding the local or working with local utilities to expand the use of reclaimed water. Now, this is particularly important for a country like Singapore. I find that fascinating. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so Singapore actually is really well set up. And one of the first things we do when we look to build a new data center is we're, um, you know, speaking of cooling, there is a raise in energy efficiency if you can use water to cool data centers. Hmm. If you don't have access to treated water, or to, um, you know, we're trying to avoid using potable water where we can to begin with. And so if we don't have access to treated water, uh, the first thing we'll look at is whether we, it's worth, you know, having an air-cooled energy or, uh, cooling system that's going to cause more energy use, or if there's ways to create that uh, treated water access, right? Um, we don't have to do that in Singapore because the new water that's available from PUB actually 
it's already there. It's, it's an available resource. We're not using potable water for cooling uh, in Singapore. And so that's, you know, a really great development from the outset. Uh, the other thing that we can do, and which we do do within our own facilities, is to try and reuse that water as much as we can. And so we've maximized the cooling technologies that we've got in terms of the number of times that we can cycle that water through our cooling system. Hmm. And eventually there is a mineral buildup over time that you can't uh, you know, do without altogether. So we will have to discharge that water and then bring in new water for reuse. The challenge with that discharged water is um, there isn't a reuse option for that in many markets today. Mm-hmm. We are working in, say, the western part of the U.S., for example, uh, where there's water concerns for agriculture. Uh, what we're doing is trying to find ways to use that discharged water from our data centers for local agricultural purposes. Wow, interesting. We're talking with Ken Haig, the head of Energy and Environment Policy for Asia, Pacific, and Japan for Amazon Web Services, AWS, uh, joining us from Tokyo today. Uh, Ken, the uh, the op-ed piece that you uh, had in the Business Times here in Singapore in May uh, was quite interesting. It really laid out a lot of interesting uh, statistics, and one of them was uh, the uh, a report by Alpha Beta that said that data centers today create some $2 billion Singapore dollars mm. um, worth of Singapore's annual GDP and up to $1.6 million indirect jobs uh, that are dependent on cloud technology, right? So not directly at the data centers. Uh, the, these numbers are, are uh, honestly quite staggering yeah. when, you, when you look at it. Um, and uh, so when we look at that for Singapore, we're, we're space constrained, as we know. Um, we have good resources, like you said, recycled water and things like that. But where does Singapore go further in, in this game of, of data centers, whether it's cloud or physical, given the, the physical space we have uh, and, and the need that's out there for you know, more and more increasing amounts of, of data usage? Yeah, great question. And, you know, certainly we understand that Singapore is a constrained market, right? You've got uh, challenges in terms of a limited amount of energy, a limited amount of water, uh, all sorts of reasons why we need to think about using resources as effectively as possible. So in terms of, um, you know, government's goal to try and promote the most uh, sustainable data centers in the world, in Singapore, uh, we're absolutely aligned on that point. Um, the paper that you mentioned that came out from Alpha Beta, there was a launch event at uh, SG Tech, which is the Industry Trade Association uh, for cloud providers, uh, for data center operators in Singapore. And what was really great to see there is that the industry is aligned on the need for greater data center sustainability and the need for the industry to work with government on making sure that we're achieving that. Uh, one of the things that you mentioned in the study that was interesting is it's, it's not just the data centers as a uh, infrastructure uh, play that I think are contributing to Singapore's economy, right? So it's not just, you know, the, the, the physical facilities themselves and the construction that goes into building those that we need to consider when we think about the economic impact, uh, particularly for all of the businesses that rely on cloud services and very low latency uh, cloud services for their businesses, and think about uh, everything from financial services to the gaming industry to uh, the uh, teleconferencing uh, services that we rely on. Every millisecond of delay that you get in those industries is a huge business cost. And so the physical proximity of data centers is actually really important for many sectors of the economy. 
And that's where you start to see that um, added value in terms of the indirect benefit from having these data centers located in Singapore. So, so that low latency, that's the time delay between when you uh, uh, call for data and when it arrives to you or when you do a Zoom call and when the picture uh, goes across. Is that is that correct? Correct. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, just mentioning that, Ken, gaming services, uh, telco services, Zooming functions, the future for cloud provision is going to be extraordinary. So looking a little further ahead, uh, Ken, you've mentioned the economic benefits for Singapore. Sustainability, is net zero a a possibility? Is there a point where cloud providers could decarbonize? You know, this idea of decarbonizing the cloud, is that is that? Is that too naive? Is that too idealistic? Or is a net zero when it t- in terms of carbon emissions, is that a possibility down the line for cloud providers? Oh, absolutely. I think, in fact, many are already moving in that direction. So for ourselves, as all of Amazon, we have a uh, 2040 net zero carbon goal uh, across all of our business. This was part of the climate pledge that we made in 2019. Uh, and this was to reach the Paris Agreement target 10 years early. Uh, we, at the same time, we're announcing that, you know, in addition to all the energy efficiency uh, investments that we're making, we've also got a 100% renewable energy goal. Mm. And when I joined Amazon uh, ten, uh, two years ago, rather, uh, that was a 2030 goal. We've since upped that to 2025. Uh, so we're working hard on making sure that, first of all, you know, we're maximizing efficiency so that we're not using energy that we don't need. That's the cleanest energy you can use. Is that what you don't need in the first place? But then for the remainder, uh, you know, getting access to 100% renewable energy. We've, we've certainly made strides in that space. So last year, for example, um, we announced Singapore's largest uh, solar PPA to date with Sunseep, uh, Amazon and Sunseep in a 62 megawatt solar deal. There aren't that many uh, deals of that scale that we can do uh, for renewable energy in Singapore alone. So I think you know, the future in terms of getting towards the 100% renewable energy goal is really going to be on working with neighboring countries to think about ways to import more of those renewable energy resources into Singapore. Ken, it's a fascinating topic and, and optimistic it, it, as well. It really sounds like there, you know, the the strides that are being made in the industry, many of which we don't know about, like the uh, efficiency of the chips, for example. Yeah, uh, mm. is is a very interesting and uh, and, and the hopeful. reuse of reused water. Yeah, <laughs> it's just fascinating. Yeah. Again and again <laughs> and, and again. again and again. Yeah, uh, Ken, thanks very much for being with us today. We we do hope that you will come back and and in future and update us on what's happening uh, in in the space when there are more developments. Uh, Ken Haig, head of energy Energy and Environment Policy for AWS. Uh, appreciate your time today. Thanks very much. Have Thanks. a great weekend. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.